The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's good, what's good, what's good, Eagles fans? You guys are locked in on your dose of football 24-7 with John McMullen. And I am your humble host, Tone DeShield II. Now, if you guys want to continue to lock in on Jacob Sports, if you guys want more content from Jacob Sports, from guys like John McMullen and myself and other guys on Jacob Sports as well, make sure you guys smash that like button. Make sure you guys comment below in the live stream and also comment below if you guys are watching this live stream after the fact we care about you guys as well and on top of that make sure you guys are subscribed to the jacob sports youtube channel and also check out john mcmullen's writing his articles on jacobsports.com that's j-a-k-i-b sports.com and also let's give a shout out to one of our biggest sponsors oceans casino resort those guys take care of a lot of people and they take care of us just like just like we take care of them so John, I have to ask you, how are you feeling this evening, my man? Uh, feeling great. Pads, we saw not not full pads, but we got shells, so we're getting there. To, <laughs> tomorrow, full pads. So we got shells today. Tomorrow is scheduled to be full pads. I'll believe it when I see it, but um, there we are. We're getting closer and closer, and the calendar turned to August, so, you know. We exactly. Today is August first. Yeah. Exactly. August first, first day of pads. Well, you said first day of shells, right? Shoulder pads, and uh, they're going to take that to another level tomorrow. But I have to ask you, what were some of your overall thoughts? Some of your overall observations from training camp today? You know, we've had several storylines starting to take shape, but I'm curious to know on day four of our coverage of Eagles training camp. What are some things you've noticed? Offense, defense, special teams. Let's get into it. <clears throat> a little bit better offensively. Nick Sirianni talked before practice and um, said, hey, everything's fine uh, with the offense after two pretty poor practices. I would say today wasn't necessarily poor. I called it kind of nondescript. Um at least from the first team's perspective, because that's what we're all worried about. So the vast majority of, of passes were complete, um, but they were all underneath. Um, nothing down the field, which has been a sort of theme in the early days of this uh, camp. Um, they haven't had a touchdown, uh, a, a passing touchdown since the first practice. And remember, the first practice um, was all red zone work. So they were put in a position to score. So I think that kind of skewed some people's thoughts of even that first practice. So um, it was a little bit better, uh, a little bit sharper, but again, everything underneath, nothing down the field. They took one shot to A.J. Brown down the field, but it was a, a poor throw over his shoulder. Uh, had a little bit of separation on James Bradbury, but would have to be a really, really good throw. Uh, and it just wasn't there. Um, so incremental improvement. I think I was more interested in Nick Sirianni saying there was, you know, nothing wrong before the practice. And, and then he went through sort of this um, litany of the interceptions uh, there were one per day from Jalen Hurts and kind of criticized the decision-making. So 
that's what we're here for, to get better with decision-making with the quarterback, and that hasn't been there really thus far. <clears throat> so Jalen's decision-making is clearly, clearly the topic of discussion as of late and pretty much throughout his entire career. When you're a pro NFL quarterback, your decision-making is paramount. You have, to, you have to be the most poised. You have to be the most prepared out of any player on the field. Is Jalen – does he not seem prepared to you? Is it – is it like a concentration? What do you what do you think that is? No, I don't think it's ever a preparation aspect with with Jalen. I don't I don't think you have to worry about his his preparation or anything of that nature. But you do have to worry about, um, you know, it's not easy. These windows are 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 very very small at the NFL level, um, and. Um, it's not only about making decisions, it's about making quick decisions. So you might have, uh, um, you know, a, a small frame to get a football in. Um, Nick talked about that uh, day one, the Marcus Epps interception. You know, if that ball comes out on time and it's a little bit more accurate, it's probably a touchdown came out late, it was behind Dallas Goddard, and all of a sudden you allow the safety to come in and intercept the football. So very small windows. He it, the, the decision to go to Dallas Goddard wasn't necessarily the problem. The problem was he didn't trust the decision, and it came out a little bit too late, and then it becomes a, a – a, in other words, it becomes a good decision, becomes a poor decision because you hesitate just that little split second. So what do you think the disconnect is? You mentioned not trusting what he sees, not trusting what's in front of him. We, you, At this point, you would expect something like that to improve, yet we're still seeing or hearing, at the very least, some of the same issues still permeating through, uh, you know, just permeating through things that are going on on the field, right? Why, why do you think he's not trusting what he sees? What do you think the disconnect is for Jalen Hurts right now? Um, You know, that's what we're trying to ascertain. Um, you know, the worst case scenario is he just doesn't have top-tier arm talent to trust himself to get the football into tight windows. Um. The best case scenario is um, experience. You know, Nicobe Dean talked about it from a linebacking perspective. I think there's a lot of people. I know my partner in the morning surprised. Look, Nicobe Dean is still on the third team. Um, and he talked about today, and he was a great player at Georgia. He's a very smart kid. He's a mecha mechanical engineer. Had a three five five grade point average. Um he's been here for a couple of days and he's talking to Jason Kelsey and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. And he joked that he's 21 years old and he was nine years old when they started playing. <laughs> and right. there's, there's a lot of, of experience with players like that. And if you go back to Brandon Graham, for instance, in his career, didn't start out great. Um, there was a significant, significant ramp up period. Jason Kelsey was a six-round pick. He wasn't an all-pro as a rookie. There was a significant ramp-up period. So, you know, Nicobe Dean was talking about that experience. You have to learn how to become a professional. Um, and Jalen Hurts is still in that in 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 that sort of um, you know rise, so to speak, in in the fact that. He's farther along than somebody like Nicobe Dean, but he's still a very young player. I think people forget, and he doesn't have a lot of experience. And um, you learn, and and hopefully, you know what coaches always say is, you know, don't make the same mistake, don't make the same mistake. And I think that's what disappointed them for the Saturday interception. When you go back to that Tampa game. Tampa Bay game we all took their whole game plan was to force Jalen Hurts to his left because he's not comfortable doing that right um he's not good doing it 
and he got blushed out to the left at practice, and he made a bad decision. I think the Eagles were disappointed in that. You have to learn. Look, even if it's throwing the football in the ground, you know, that 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 particular drill was a third down. And Nick Sirianni said, you know what? Dump it off to the back, whatever you have to do, throw it in the ground. Then we might go for it on fourth down, you know. Then you live to play another down. What you can't do is what he did and throw it over the middle field, just throw it up for grabs, and it turns into an interception. <clears throat> right. You know, I saw that press conference with Nick Sirianni, by the way. He mentioned that we're trying to eliminate the bad decision-making. Sometimes there are going to be guys that just make good plays, and you have to live with that. It's the NFL. But what we won't be able to live with is the quarterback making a poor decision, especially something he's seen before. And I can't help but ask – is Jalen Hurts' confidence in question? I know he's someone who doesn't really listen to the media. He's someone who who doesn't pay too much attention to the outside noise. But you know, you mentioned the fact that he doesn't trust that he has the arm talent to make certain throws, which is why he hesitates. Why you see that hitch in his throws? That begs the question: Is there a confidence issue? Is there a confidence issue brewing there? Well, I, I, you know, I didn't say that's the reason. I said that's the worst case scenario. I'm just worst case scenario. Mull, my apologies. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to mull. I got to be careful because you know how people are, Tom. And they say you're hating on this, you're hating on that. I'm saying that could be an option when you try to figure out, okay, why doesn't he trust what he sees? Because Nick is saying, all right, you made the right read. You made the right decision. You have one of the best tight ends in football. You know, rip it and grip it, as they say. And and he did, And he didn't. So why didn't he? Only Jalen can answer that question. Um, but it happens still too often than it should. That's that's all we know. It happens too often, and it's got to get better. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this defense has been taking care of business. Let's just be totally honest about it. The defense has been getting the better of the offense lately. And sure, the offense could be better. That's that's obvious, right? Jalen Hurts has to improve. Overall, the offense has to improve with just pure execution. But what does it say about the outlook of the defense? You know, should fans should fans be or should fans remain optimistic about Jonathan Gannon's defense? Because clearly they're making plays and clearly they're far ahead of this defense. And for what I'm hearing, they're playing fast, they're aggressive, they're not making it easy on this offense. So what are your thoughts on this defense right now? Well, it's kind of the chicken and the egg. Maybe it's a really good defense, or maybe they're playing a really bad offense. Uh, you know, we're, we're not going to know that until at least um, the joint practices and they get to see somebody else, Cleveland, Miami. Um, and then we'll get a better feel. Uh, but right now, yeah, they look great. Um, and there's a lot of changes. And... You know, Jordan Davis is now mixing in with the first team. And, you know, he's <clears> – boy, he I, – I mean, it. I just put it on Twitter. It looks weird when he's playing <laughs> nose tackle because he's just so big. Um, we were on the far side and, 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 you know, looking straight on, and you couldn't even see Jason Kelsey. You couldn't wow. even see him uh, behind Jordan Davis. Um, so that's one thing, right? I think you saw, you went back, you go back to the playoffs and watch um, how difficult Vita Bea made things for the Eagles. It's a great player. Great player. I I don't know if Jordan Davis is going to be that good, but I know he's got, he's bigger and he's got way more athleticism. So you can project that any way you want. Um, but to have somebody with that size, there has never been anyone, literally, this is not hyperbole, there has never been anyone at Jordan Davis's size coming into the NFL as a defensive tackle with better athleticism. You know, his from from his combine numbers, the four seven eight, it's it's ridiculous. And you're starting to see that show up. And then I've talked about Bradbury. Bradbury's been great. You add him to Darius Slay and Avante Maddox. The linebackers. You know, we got a chance to talk to Nick Rollis today, 
who's the all ball linebacker coach. Um, there are a lot of questions about Nicobe uh, Dean, obviously. A lot of questions about Kaiser White. A lot of questions about Davion Taylor, who's played really, really well early in camp. It took, a, I think, the second to last question before he got asked about T.J. Edwards. And the reason why is because T.J.'s so good, nobody talks about him anymore. Um, the Eagles are even putting him on a pitch count. Uh, he's the number one linebacker. Um, they finally have some talent at linebacker to the point that N'Kobe Dean can't get off the third team. Think wow. about that. Wow. Think about that. That's how well Damian Taylor has played. Um, and even Sean Bradley had an interception of, of Gardner Minshew today, and he's very fast and he's very athletic, the former uh, Temple star and, and South Jersey native. Um, you know, the linebackers are good. Marcus Epps has has seemingly turned the corner. Um, all of that is really, really good from the defensive perspective. You know, is it because of the Eagles' offense, though? You, you at least have to put that little thought into people's minds because, you know, again, chicken or the egg. Is the offense bad or is the defense good? This is Football 24-7 with John McMullen. I am Tony DeShields the second. Make sure you guys smash that like button. Make sure you guys continue to comment below in the live chat. And also make sure you guys subscribe to Jacob Sports and check out our articles written by John McMullen himself on jkibsports.com. That's J-A-K-I-B sports.com. John, I have to, I have to, you know, push a little harder on this chicken or egg thing because is it bad offense? Is it bad defense? Is it just really good defense? I have to push. I have to, you know, dig a little deeper on that because there's a lot of talent on this defense, and <clears throat> this defense showed flashes of production in 2021. It seemed like they were just missing impact players. They were missing guys that can just make plays and guys that can just consistently do the job. Um, I'm looking at guys like you mentioned, James Bradbury, Kaiser White. You bring in a guy like Jordan Davis, and I want to get into a little bit more Jordan Davis talk as well as the show progresses, but. You know, I think fans probably do have a good reason to be optimistic about this defense. You know, what what do you agree? What wouldn't wouldn't this defense? It would change everything if this defense was as great as we think they could be, right? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think Jordan Davis's presence changes a lot of things. I, you know, the Eagles can play what they want to play, and you know, I asked. Um, Nick about uh, Big Fangio being here and watching practice and the Eagles want to run a version of his defense like a lot of teams in the NFL want to run um, and to do that you need the big nose tackle in the middle taking up uh, two two blockers in the case of Jordan Davis sometimes it's th three um, you, you need that and um, it enables you to to do a lot of different things in that five-two overhang look, one 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 interesting thing the Eagles did over the past couple of days is uh, so when they're in that five-man front, um, the odd man front, typically, you know, it's going to be Jordan Davis and and you know Fletcher Cox and and Javon Hargrave. They can have that big bulky group in the middle, and then you have Hassan Reddick and Josh. Uh, sweat is the overhang players, but you know, they have so many options and they've started to unveil this look where Brandon Graham is on the edge and Hassan Reddick is inside of Brandon Graham on, on the same side. And you can imagine if you're a, a tackle and you got Brandon Graham and Hassan Reddick on the same side, sort of an overload look. You have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, that could be that could be an issue for you. Uh, they did it on the other side uh, today uh, with Josh Sweat and Patrick Johnson, who's sort of the backup uh, for Hassan Reddick. And it was Johnson who was inside of Sweat. So they have that look they can roll out. Um, there's a lot of different things they can do because of the presence of Jordan Davis that they couldn't do 
last year because they didn't have that type of player. They not only have that type of player, in theory, he's going to be one of the best in the NFL at what he does when he gets ramped up and when he gets going. And that's just going to have this domino effect on that front. And if the front is as good as people think it's going to be, then everything else will fall into place. There's some issues, though. I mean, when you have, um, you know, great quarterbacks, and, and we saw it last year, um, you're going to get beat. Um, there's no question. So, you know, how do you, how do you react to that if you're Marcus Epps? if you're Anthony Harris, if you're uh, Chikwaski Tart, if he's playing, um, if you're Avante Maddox, because this is the modern NFL, right? As good as you are, if Justin Herbert shows up and he's hot, guess what? He's going to, he's going to throw for 300 yards. It might be week two in Minnesota. You know, we talk about Kirk Cousins and, and his ability to throw the football and Justin Jefferson comes into Lincoln financial field. You know, they might light you up for 300 yards. Can you find a way to win the game? Can you find a way to make enough big plays? I think that's going to be the story with this defense. Absolutely. Like I said, and like you just said, you need to force turnovers. You need to create impact plays, right? And I mentioned Jordan Davis, and you compared him to someone of, of high stature, of Vontavea of, of uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? And Vontavea, he's more so that run stuffer. You know, he's not really known for his no, pass but he can ability, push the but, but, but he can, but he can collapse yeah. it, right? Yeah, he can collapse yeah. it. So that would be in a perfect world. That's Jordan Davis's floor, right? Someone who can collapse the pocket, someone who can stuff the run. But if he takes his game to another level, if he can find a way to incorporate those pass rush moves, and he's next to a, a bunch of bona fide pass rushers in Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat. Uh, you know, there was a point in Fletcher Cox's career where he was collapsing the pocket regularly and getting to the quarterback. What can Jordan Davis pick up for being next to guys like this? You know, what's what, well, what do you think Jordan Davis ceiling is? I don't know, but the floor is dominant run stuffer. Um, and that's pretty good. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a great pass rusher. I don't want to overemphasize that part of it. He is a great athlete. So the ability is there. As I said, we've never seen an athlete at this size in the NFL. Speaking of his um, size really quickly, they said, and Jordan Davis said this in his press conference, and excuse me, John, but I'm curious to know what you thought about what you think about this as well. He said the Eagles want him around 330 to 340. I know that was around the weight he came in. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? And then you can continue to finish your point. Yeah, I think that's about conditioning. Um they want him at about 340. You know, the interesting thing about Jordan is um, he's 6'6". Um, he does not look, you know, you say 340, you typically look like, you know, Vita Bea, for instance. You know, a, a big guy. Um, Jordan Davis is obviously a big guy, but he does, he carries that weight well on his frame. But it, it's not about that more than the conditioning. He was not uh, asked to play a lot at Georgia, not a lot of reps uh, because they were so good. They were so talented. Um, they have a kid. Uh, I think his name is uh, his last name's Carter. I forget the person Caden Carter, I believe, but um, you know, they, Jermaine Johnson, for instance, who was a first-round pick of the Jets this year from Florida State. Well, for people that don't know, he started at Georgia, but he left because he couldn't play at Georgia because they had so much talent in front of him, and they lost him. So, you know, Kirby Smart kind of learned from that and said, we got to play these kids or we're going to lose them. So they had right. this un unbelievable rotation. Trayvon Walker, the first pick in the, the entire draft, you know, he barely played more than 50% of the snaps. Um, you got to play more than that at this particular level. Maybe not as a rookie, but long-term, you know, they want him 
on the field as much as possible. So that's more about conditioning and trying to ramp them up to get ready to play. You know, you think about Fletcher Cox in his prime, 80, 85, 90% of the snaps on certain weeks. Um, they want you out there. Uh, Jordan isn't capable of doing that right now. He's never been asked to do it, but he's going to be asked to do it in theory, probably not this year, but somewhere down the line. So the conditioning, what what's your anticipation for Jordan Davis's snap count going into his rookie season? And also just to add on to the question, let's say Jordan Davis does get that conditioning down packed. Let's say Jordan Davis does get in peak form from a conditioning perspective. How radioactive how volatile can this player be how dangerous can this player be in the eagles offense um he could be one of the best defensive linemen in the nfl i mean you know a lot of people i hate to bring up the 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 name aaron donald because aaron donald is one of be careful the, john be careful oh, no but that's what <laughs> i'm i'm trying to say aaron donald is a different because i've heard that from my partner god right. bless them um they're not the same player aaron donald's a pure three technique aaron donald's undersized aaron donald is an amazing pass rusher probably the best interior pass rusher um maybe ever in in the nfl you certainly have to go back to at least john randall uh who's in the hall of fame somebody of that nature um you know, so people who look at Aaron Donald say, well, Aaron Donald can get 15 sacks consistently. Forget about that. That's This is a different type of player. He's playing a different position. Now, he's going to learn, and, and Jordan said today, he's playing everything from four eye, which is four inside technique, down, down to zero, which is which is nose tackle. Um, so... You're going to see him occasionally play three technique, play four technique, play four eye, um, but not a lot. He's going to play zero or he's going to play one. And you're not, when you're playing nose tackle like Vita Bea, you're not expected to get 15 sacks. So right. one of the things, and I brought this up with Jody, I hope people are savvy enough to understand the expectations. This guy is expected to dominate, but not dominate on the stat sheet, if that makes sense. He is supposed to make it easier for everybody else, just like he did at Georgia for N'Kobe Dean, who won the Butkus Award and was the nation's best linebacker and made all those splash plays. A lot of that had to do with Jordan Davis tying up blockers. He is supposed to make things easier for Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat right. to go get the quarterback because they're going to have one-on-ones because you have to use two, two bodies to deal with Jordan Davis. So he's expected to dominate, but he's not expected to dominate on the stat sheet. And I'm actually a little bit concerned about that because hmm, how come? If, you don't, if you don't get sacks in this city, they don't think you're a good player. And I shouldn't, I'm not saying everybody. I'm not generalizing. You get in trouble. Too many think sacks are the be all end all. I understand, I understand what you're saying, John, especially when it comes to that, you know, the city. You know, I like to I, I like to give Philadelphia a, a, a lot of credit in terms of how we dissect the game, how the fans look at the game, because you know, fans, you know, we we see a lot, we call out a lot, and we can be emotional a lot, right? But, you know, you mentioned Jordan Davis's impact beyond the stat sheet and his role is to wreak havoc and make things easier for the guys around him. A guy like Kazair White, you know, he was in his press conference and he mentioned how how big, how athletic, how burly and dominant that guy Jordan Davis was in practice. And he continued to just rave about how easy he he could potentially make it for uh, guys like him. Uh, can you uh, speak on um, Kaiser White's statements and uh, maybe uh, elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, same thing. Watch Nicobe Dean highlights, but don't watch Nicobe Dean. Watch the guy in front of him. Um, so go on YouTube and watch Nicobe Dean highlights. 
but don't watch Nakobe. Watch the big guy in front of him. And he is creating um, the avenues for Nakobe Dean to make splash plays. And, you know, Nakobe's a perfect example because Nakobe is undersized. And if you let NFL offensive linemen get to Nakobe Dean at the second level, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be mm. ugly. Um, if, you know, you need to be TJ Edwards if you don't have defensive linemen in front of you that can tie up blockers. You have to be big. You have to be strong. You have to be able to shed blockers. Um, if, 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 if you're caught in the wash, as they say in the NFL, as a linebacker, and you're undersized, you're in trouble. So Kaiser White, Nicobe Dean, both undersized linebackers, they need they need Jordan Davis to play like Jordan Davis played at Georgia times, you know, 20 or 30 more snaps. Right. But isn't that the direction the NFL is moving in? These undersized athletic linebackers that can run sideline to sideline and you know, the guys that are more valuable uh, defending the pass uh, rather than defending the run. I know the running game will never become fully obsolete, but, you know, the, a lot of these defenses are molding their rosters, molding their personnel to, into these hybrid-type, versatile, multiple-type of players, right? Yeah, I mean, no, I joke about it. Nobody cares about the running game until <laughs> until it's needed. In until December. it's too late, right? Yeah, in January. <laughs> Um, yeah, everybody wants the hybrid linebacker. That's why Kaiser White, you know, the Eagles have two of them. Uh, Jacoby Stevens as well. They were both safeties in college, um, turned into linebackers at the NFL level um, because they want coverage players because everybody throws the football. Everybody but Philadelphia and Tennessee. Everybody wants to throw the football, throw the football, throw the football, throw the football. So it's not important um, to stop the running game until you show up, until Derrick Henry shows up and runs for 200 yards. And then you go, boy, I'd like to have a T.J. Edwards in there. I'd like to have somebody who can hold up. Um, So it's a catch-22. And that's why, you know, the Eagles rolled the dice on Davion Taylor, to be honest, because, you know, he was incredibly raw. But he is the rare, and he's played great, by the way. It's early. You know, he's got a history of injuries. It's only four practices. But Davion is a better athlete than, you know, N'Kobe Dean. He's a better athlete than Kaiser White. And he's physical. If you watched him last year in the small sample size before he got hurt, the Denver game was a perfect example. Um, he is a really, really physical player. So it's rare to have somebody who can run a 4-4 as a linebacker and is also physical. So the Eagles are kind of crossing their fingers that that Damian Taylor's getting it. Because believe it or not, he, he uh, you know, he has the chance to be, if you're thinking about the best linebackers in the NFL, the Fred Warners, uh, the Bobby Wagners. Right, Bobby's, right. Bobby's getting a little bit older. He's the one guy who's got all the physical gifts to be that type of player. You know, I know why people are excited about Nicobe Dean. Nicobe's small, though. He is small. Um, and he he's not, you know, he can't run like Kaiser White can run. He can't run like Davion Taylor can run. Um, So Kaiser doesn't have, Kaiser can run, but he doesn't have the physicality of, of a Davion Taylor. So it's almost like you're mixing the best of, of Kaiser White as a former safety and the best of T.J. Edwards as a traditional two-down, downhill linebacker into one from a physical perspective. 
from a physical perspective. I'm not saying Davion's going to be that player. Right. I'm saying from a physical perspective, he's he's got everything you need, but he was so raw, you know, he's just starting to understand the game and we're in year three. Uh, so, you know, but he's he's played well and people forget about him. Yeah, Davion Taylor, you know, you excite me talking about Davion, Davion Taylor because, he, like you mentioned, he's – he was such a raw prospect. Didn't really play too much high school in his uh, in his younger years, you know, um, because of his faith. You know, couldn't really play on Sundays, and he was sort of he he he's behind guys in terms of in terms of understanding the game, you know, instinctual oh, yeah. things like that. But like you mentioned, his physicality, his pure athleticism, his natural gifts, um, his work ethic, you know, it's it's hard to not get excited about a guy like Davion Taylor when you know. If he figures it out, and there's some players, there are some players in his league, there's some players on his team that if they can figure it out, they can probably be one of the best players in their position. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I hesitate, but Davion's only 23 years old. I, I think people forget about that too. So, as you mentioned, uh, he played one high school football game because of his faith. Um, Started very light, had to go to junior college. Um, you know, eventually played so well. Colorado got interested. He, he ran a, a under, you know, four four. I think it was four four nine at the combine. You know, ridiculous number of his size, and and then his physicality. As I mentioned, if you think about that funny quote from Slay last year about city fumble versus country fumble in Denver. Yeah, right, right. Um, that was Davion Taylor who knocked that thing out of there. Right. Um, you, you know, he, he had a couple forced fumbles. He's just really physical. Um, yeah. If the light goes off, you're not even going to be worried about uh, N'Kobe Dean uh, if the light goes off for Davion Taylor. Wow. You know, like I mentioned, I've been listening to a lot of these press conferences and, you know, you you, you mentioned the Kobe Dean. The Kobe Dean had a very interesting press conference to me. He mentioned how, you know, he's buying into, you know, what this team is selling. You know, he's locked in on trying to learn from the veteran guys like Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, you know, guys like that. And, you know, the players along with the Kobe Dean, a lot of these guys, like I said, in these press conferences, they appear they appear to be buying into what Nick Sirianni is selling them. You know, Quez Watkins also spoke up um, about Nick Sirianni calling him out uh, in practice because, you know, Quez was kind of mailing it in the first few days. You know, so I, so I had to ask you, is Nick Sirianni's culture, is is it translating onto the field? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think people like Nick um, in general. I think he's a likable guy. Um, you know, and that, that it's still early in this tenure that can go in a negative way. We always talk right. about players coach versus the hard nosed coach. You just talked about Quez Watkins, you know, certain people will take advantage of a player's coach. Uh, others love it. Like Jason Kelsey. I mean, you know, Jason Kelsey said, and you know, we'd probably be retired by now. Um, if, Nick didn't come in and change the practice schedule. Well, I think Howie had a lot to do with that as well. But <laughs> nonetheless, um, yeah, there's a lot of guys who like uh, Nick Sirianni. Um, but, you know, there's 90 players. And I always say, go find the next 90 people you meet, Tone. They're, they're not all going to like – well, they might all like you. They're not all going to like me. Um, not everybody can, not everybody gets along. Um, and especially with bosses, um, there's a natural inclination for some people to push back. And I'm sure there's some players that don't like Nick Sirianni for whatever reason. It might be for, it could the be goofy. his laugh. It could be, it could be anything. Yeah. <laughs> it might be the goofy rah-rah stuff. It might be, why aren't you wearing my T-shirt? You're wearing Jalen's T-shirt or Brandon's T-shirt or so-and-so's T-shirt. Why aren't you wearing my T-shirt? Um, could be something as stupid as that. Um, so, 
you know, every coach has to deal with that, though. So, um, overall, I think the vast majority of guys have bought into Nick Sirianni and, and what he does and what he preaches. Like all coaches, though, you know, the message gets stale after a while. So, you right. got to be careful. But he's very young in his tenure. This is only the second year, so you don't have to worry about stuff like that. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to begin to close the show very soon. I just have a, a couple more uh, questions for you, and then we're going to uh, shut this thing down for today, and then we'll pick up tomorrow at 7 p.m. Um, also, you guys are locked in on football 24-7 with John McMullen, and I am your humble host, Tone DeShills II. Make sure you guys smash that like button. Make sure you guys are commenting below in the live chat, and also comment below if you guys are watching this live stream after the fact. On top of that, make sure you're subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. That's Jacob Sports, and also make sure you guys are locked in on John McMullen's writing, his articles on jacobsports.com. Now, John, I have to ask you about something that doesn't really get talked about much, but might be one of the more important places that the Philadelphia Eagles need to improve. And that is on the special team side of the ball. Now, special teams, you know, Philadelphia ranked 26th in field position after kickoff. That's absolutely terrible. That means the quarterback in the offense yeah. is starting is starting behind the eight ball more times than not. And a, a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, who's still developing, is being forced to drive 80 plus, 90 plus yards throughout. Uh, you know, throughout the season. Now, who's been taking most of the reps back there as far as uh, as far as kickoff? And also on top of that, I need to ask, is Michael Clay's job in jeopardy? Is he on a hot seat? Um, I don't I don't think so from the from the perspective of Nick Sirianni. But I've said with the coaching staff, look, the expectations have changed um, from. Last year, when nobody thought this team was very good, Jeffrey Lurie himself called it a transition year, right. and they make the playoffs, so everything is great and everything is hunky-dory. But as you mentioned, special teams was pretty bad last year as a whole, except for Jake Elliott. Um, now, Nick likes Michael Clay as a coach. I don't think it was Michael Clay's fault. Uh necessarily don't think the team had a lot of talent, a lot of depth. You know, one of their key special teams players, for uh, uh, for example, was Andre Sachere, was picked up on the waiver wire at the cutdown deadline. He wasn't even here, and that's because you didn't have good special teams players, and yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, they brought in Kyron Johnson as an example to play special teams, so they're starting to shift into – the mode they used to be in when they would bring in guys like Chris Maragos and Brian Brayman and Najee Good, really, really good special teams players. It's not sexy, but you need some of those players. Um, Eagles didn't have a lot of them last year. Hopefully it gets closer to that. Now the return game, though, it's not as important as it once was, especially kickoff returns because they've, they've taken that out of the game. Punt returns a little bit more important. They weren't good at either. And Jalen Rager was the main uh, kickoff returner and punt returner at the end of last season. That's also going to be his role right now. Uh, if he's on the team, if the Eagles can't trade him, and Jalen's on there yelling at John Clark today, I think it would be the best case for everybody to get the heck out of this relationship uh, but we'll see how that shakes out. Um, as far as who was going to return kicks, again, I don't really care on kickoff returns. Um, the Eagles don't have Cordero Patterson. They're not going to have Cordero Patterson. So just, you know, take the knee and start at the 25 more often than not. If not, you can go to Boston, Scott, you know, they're going to try out Jason Huntley. I don't. Jason Huntley's a good kick returner. I don't know how he makes this team because he's not going to help you anywhere else. And last year, the Eagles had exactly 34 kick returns. So what does that tell you? They play 17 games. You're returning That's... two kicks per game. That's it. Right. It is a meaningless position in the modern NFL unless you have somebody – like Patterson, who you're going to say, it's nine yards deep, take it out. And he might do it, and he might create 
unbelievable stress on the other team. Eagles don't have that. They're not going to have that. So just take the knee. Punt returns more important. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of options. You know, it's Jalen Rager taking the first team reps, Greg Ward taking the second team reps, Britton Kobe taking the third team reps. Right. I know people are excited about Kobe, but he's five foot eight and 171 pounds, and they're lying. They are lying, Tone DeShields. He's not 171 pounds. He looks smaller in person. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. Um, I don't know how he makes this team. Um, and then from there, you know, Quez Watkins was back taking a few reps. Uh, right. Quez got, for those who forget, Quez was the kick returner at the beginning of last season, and he was worse at it than Jalen. So that's not your answer. Um, Kenny Gainwell, maybe Kenny Gainwell as a punt returner. If he takes a, 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 you know, if he gets a feel for it, he was taking a few reps. Maybe that can help you. Um, it's not a great return game though. Yeah. I could, I completely understand, you know, shifting the conversation forward. I want to ask you, but um, before we close the show, I want to ask you about uh, any injury updates on the team. I know Milton Williams got hurt uh, the other day and Grant Cacotera as well. And then Zach Pascal was still nursing that for uh, that, that food poisoning. So any updates on those guys or have there been any other injuries that yeah, have been transpired? Uh, Zach had to go to the hospital. So something's going on with that uh, food poisoning. Now he's been around. He's been on the sidelines. I didn't see him today. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of a setback. Uh, they're just trying to get him right. Grant Calcaterra mispractice. He, he strained his hamstring. Uh, okay. We told you on Saturday he got hurt in practice. I thought it was a hamstring. That was confirmed. Uh, the Eagles are going to be very, very cautious with him. Um, Milton was back, so that was good. Um, any any practice in a limited, he 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 didn't work in team drills, but at least he was back doing individual work. Um, so that indicates it's not serious. So pretty healthy uh, so far, and even Carrick uh, Wheatball, who's been coming back from COVID, uh, for the first time got out there and did some individual work. So pretty healthy team. Uh, and they ought to be because they practice for 75 minutes today. Longest Absolutely. practice so far, hour and a half. Wow. Okay. All right. So I guess uh I, I guess it's not I guess it's not necessarily safe to start taking over unders with the with these guys in terms of betting on these you know these practice schedules because they went up, you know, each and every each and every time. So uh, you know, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Down with today, that. 90 minutes on Saturday, 75 today. So they okay. So okay, so okay, so that was the peak ninety minutes, and now they're going back down. Okay, so seems like they have some sort of some sort of wave they're trying to they're trying yeah, to ride. Ninety ninety will be the the the, the, most, the max the okay. max, and tomorrow pads full pads for the first time. Great, they, they Great. might go ninety minutes, but it's going to be ninety something degrees, so maybe not. Hey, John, before I let you go. I know you like to approach things from the half glass full perspective. I know you're <laughs> I, I, know, I know you're a realist and I know you love I know you love the curb expectations. I know this. I get this. But I have so to ask. Howie, by the way. So does Howie. <laughs> but I have to ask you though. I have to ask you, who are you most excited to see come week one? Who am I most excited to see? Come like who are you? One? Yeah, like like who are you? Who are you, who are you looking forward to seeing how they've grown? You know, uh, you know where, where they're taking their game. Which player, offense or defense, doesn't matter. Who are you most excited it's a to bunch see? Of players. It's, it, it's right up the middle on defense. Jordan Davis, uh, T.J. Edwards, Marcus Epps, right up the middle. Um, offensively. I'm you know, one of the concerns I, I tweeted this out too. Devontae Smith, we're not talking about if he never gets the football. I'm concerned. No traffic. The entire offense has been Dallas Goddard, AJ Brown, and everybody else gets scraps. Now, that's not that big of a deal to me when it you're talking about Quez Watkins or or you know Jalen Rager when he gets the occasional first team rep. But that, that's concerning to me with Devontae Smith because Devontae's a really, really good player. 
Mm. I would love to dig deep with you on that, but I don't want to hold you too long. Otherwise, we'll, we'll be here for another 20 to 30 minutes, and I can't have that. I need to give you back to your wife, my man. So, so <laughs> she, would, she would disagree, <laughs> but I appreciate it. I think I think my wife may agree with her that, hey, keep doing what you're doing as long as you're out of my way. <laughs> but John, man, I appreciate you always making yourself available, uh, you know, fresh off a of training camp. You know, you're always out there regardless of the weather condition. If it's 90, 95 degrees, if it's 60, 65, it doesn't matter. You're out there. You're doing what you need to do for Jacob Sports and also for your respective entities, man. And I got to give kudos to that, man. You're, you're one of one. And man, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Not just excited. First day of pads, so we're in August, and I, I think that helps the offense, as I said, because the strength of the Eagles' offense is the offensive line. Landon Dickerson's a guy. You know, Landon Dickerson, as I leave, that's my final thought, because <laughs> he's next to Jordan Mailata and Lane Johnson. You don't realize how big and how powerful Landon Dickerson is. You know, he, you know he said he wasn't a good football player? He he he's so self-deprecating. Yeah, he's a good football player. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he's he's really good. And when you when you have those two guys on the left side, I mean, they moved Isaac Samalu, who's a really really good left guard, um, uh, to make room for Landon Dickerson. So that tells you all you need to know. Absolutely. And on that note, you guys, we are going to end the show right there. Make sure you guys continue to smash that like button for football 24 seven with John McMullen. And I'm your humble host, Tone the second. Make sure you guys continue to subscribe and make sure you guys continue to support Jacob Sports is continue to bring that hot fire. We are coming for any and everybody. The content is growing and it's a lot to look forward to you guys. But we're going to end the show on that note. You guys remain optimistic about your Philadelphia Eagles. The offense, they have some things to work on, but this defense, hey, listen, we have a lot to look forward to. And I'll leave it at that, you guys. Make sure you guys continue to like the content, continue to um, comment below, continue to subscribe and share the content. He's John McMullen. You guys were locked in on Football 24-7. I'm your humble host, Tone DeShields II. Make sure you guys get out of here, enjoy your, enjoy your day, enjoy your evening, and we'll, and we'll leave it at that, you guys. Stay humble, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay hungry. One love.